0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello everybody and welcome to the 25th episode of the Believe in the Long Run podcast series. I'm your host, Dom Santina. Glad to finally be back with you once again. I know we had some trouble the last couple weeks trying to get things uploaded and we'll work on that and continue to monitor it and hope everything goes well there. But we're up and running. We're ready to go. And we're going to continue on with our podcast series. Once again, thanks to Annie Fuller for taking time out of her busy schedule to sit down and talk to us about her running and future triathlon career. And thanks to her for being patient about the podcast getting uploaded as well. Once again, go check out all of our previous episodes on any of your favorite podcast platform, whichever one you're listening to. Either just scroll down and look for them or search Believe in the Long Run and you can find them on any of your favorite podcast platforms, which include Google Play, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course believe.com. Then once you're done checking out our podcast episodes, head on over to our social media. You can find us at Believe in the Long Run on Instagram and at the Long Run 5 on Twitter. Check out our social media websites. We'll update what's going on with our podcast and tell you who's going to be on when the new episodes are released and any information that we feel is important to our listeners that involves the running community so go check out our two social media websites and be sure to like comment and subscribe you can leave a comment about anything you like dislike or suggest for future episodes and while you're checking out the podcast make sure you subscribe and share with friends as well All right, let's get going into episode number 25. First thing that we're going to mention, as of course we talk about races that are going on, you have Emma Colburn's Elk Run 5K. We've promoted that already multiple times. Go check out, search Elk Run 5K. It'll come up. Go support one of our professional runners that we talk about here on the podcast and support her charity and event. There's also the Run Across America, which talks about trying to... Set up the longest virtual race in the world and having people run from different spots around the country to string that together and run at the same time on the same day. So go check that one out. That's another one that caught my eye that I thought was a great race to look at for sure. Now, with this being the 25th episode, I was really hoping I could get a guest for this one, but I couldn't arrange it or get it in time. So I decided that we're going to do this on our own, but I thought it would be cool to. Kind of give a little highlight of some of the things that have happened since our 25 began. And that's, we're just going to talk about, we're just going to talk about how many views each of our episodes have had. And we'll talk with the most popular, the top three popular, more, most populous epi- We're going to start, we're going to name the three most popular episodes so far to air. And in third place, this was the most recent of the three. With 38 total listens is Dave Hudson, the coach and sports information director at Rochester University or former coach I should say. In second, just topping Dave Hudson was the professional steeplechaser of Leah O'Connor who had 40 total listens and blowing both of them out of the water and any other episode so far on the network is the coach at Wayne State University with 76 total listens, Grant Loftal taking home the number one spot so far. So we're 25 episodes in. We'll see how the ratings compare going forward. Hopefully these numbers are minimal to what we have in the future. But thank you to those three for joining us and everyone else that's joined us so far on the podcast. We're going to continue to work on getting more guests. And hope to see those numbers rise and the names of our guests be more popular as well. Well, that's going to wrap up our warm-up session. We're going to head into our workout. So we'll get ready to head to our main portion of the podcast. On your mark, get set. Alright, let's welcome in to the workout portion of the podcast. Love that new little intro bit we have it gets us to that point but let's talk about some things that have happened i know that this might be a little bit old compared to recent news but i want to mention it because we haven't been able to put the podcast up because of technical difficulties so i want to mention that the ncaa division one championships have been canceled based strictly on just the number of participants still available this fall. In order to hold the division championships, they have to have at least 55% participation. And with the Pac-12, Big Ten, and other notable conferences canceling their fall sports, there will be no NCAA Division I cross-country national championships. There are, however, some good news to come out of this. We've had some regional racing going on. Uh, High schools are racing, and we've had some professionals racing as well. We had Emma Colburn out running with Team Boss. They did a race back on August 16th. She ran a PR in the 1500, and she came second in that one. And then just last week, on uh, or two weeks ago now, August 21st, They ran another race. This one I think was down in Louisiana or at below sea level, whatever it was. And she ran the 800 for the first time in over 10 years. So they're getting some racing in. Team Boss doing a lot of things. And a lot of these track groups working together to run on their own and find ways to stay competitive and just run by themselves in their own teams. We also saw Sarah Hall who on back in the middle of August got out onto a bike path in Eugene, Oregon and did a mock half marathon for a PR of six, 68.17, so just an hour and eight minutes, just over that hour mark. And Eugene Marathon was the one that invited her out to compete in that. And she said that this COVID period has been hard for all of us athletes and race directors alike. And she thanked the Eugene Marathon and the race director for creating creative ways to help create opportunities. And she credited all the other girls that ran six-minute pace as well in the race. So we're seeing people continue to get out there and run. And one of the things that I saw on FlowTrack is actually some mock simulations or some videos of how cross-country racing at high school level is going I saw one in Florida where they had, it was probably three, four hundred runners on the starting line, and they were spread out shoulder to shoulder, but the starting line was pretty long, and they had two lines of people on the starting line, and they had four or five different waves of people taking off at the same time, so I know I've talked about it with my coaches in my area about having to do wave timing or almost heats for cross country, and sending them out at different times. If you go to FlowTrack, you can find that video. And you can see it on how they sent out different runners that were around the same time. I'm assuming. I don't know all the details. But the way I saw it is you'd have to send them out in a group that runs similar times. And kind of let them run together. I guess that's my vision here in Michigan. Is You only have 70 runners in a race. So you want to put girls together. that are Or guys for that matter. That run similar times so they compete against each other. But... With how many runners they had there in that race in Florida, I guess you could just kind of throw a bunch of runners in together, and it really doesn't matter. They were starting about 30 seconds in between waves. So your fast runners could have people to chase, even if they are in the third or fourth heats, and they could still probably catch some of the front runners. So I don't know if they did it on times. That's something that we'd have to look into more and see how they associated those different wave groups and see how they spaced it out. But right? that's kind of how you'd have to do it. Um and it brought into a good point of, you know, we talked about it as us coaches at my high school that I'm helping coach and now the middle school team as well. Every school would have to get chip timing because that's the only right way you can do that. So that way everyone's times come up accurate. And so that would be a pretty expensive cost for the schools to do. But if you're going to do it, that may be the route we have to go. And who knows? You know, I've heard a lot of sports say, and you hear about professional sports all the time, that this COVID period could make changes in our sport for the better. And you have to wonder. I always like the normal start with everyone starting at the same time. But could this be something we start to see in cross country where not everybody starts at the same time and maybe you space things out a little bit? I don't know if it would stay, but I think it's an interesting point to kind of raise and something maybe to talk about and consider going forward of are these modified starts something that we could see in the future. And so, you know, it was just kind of cool to see one cross country back on track, but also some high schoolers getting into it. I thought there was a lot of people in that race. I like the wave start. started. I think it went off well. The one thing that I noticed is they kept their masks on until they stepped foot on the starting line. Then once they did that, they threw all their masks to the ground, which I had a little problem with because that could pose a person for whoever's going to clean them up or litter or whatever, but, and someone could maybe get it from one of the masks, but I don't know. That's not my department. That I'm not the CDC. I'm not the race director, so I'm sure they had a program with all of that, but that got pretty messy on the starting line when you have three or 400 masks laying in one spot in the general area. And so, but I thought it was cool to see how they're going to do it. And I think it'll be interesting to see those sports that do have cross country or those states that do have cross country how they go about it. And I like Flow Track staying with it. I saw another video on Instagram. It wasn't Flow Track, but it was with Michigan, the state of Michigan, and how they were doing it. And they had all their runners. We can't have more than 70, as I mentioned just a minute or two ago in a race but they had their their runners have their mask on until 150 meters into the race now i don't really agree with that one i know we have a cross-country race coming up on wednesday and we're telling our runners or the race director for that race is telling the runners as soon as you start your race you can take it off so basically what florida is doing i'm guessing with the mask rule we'll see how that goes i'll have to update you and see what we did there but 70 runners in our race. We're going to have a men's race and a women's race. Four teams up here in northern Michigan. We don't have very big teams. And we're at a small school, so we should be okay with that. But it'll be interesting to see our coaches under the impression that once they start their warm-ups, the athletes can can take the masks off. All coaches and spectators must keep the masks on at all times. So there are some rules that we're kind of sifting through and seeing how we're going to deal with it one thing that i thought was interesting is if you bring a team tent you cannot just let it free go and let people come and go as you want you have to monitor the tent make sure everyone's wearing a mask and make sure they're spaced out in the tent so i think we've pretty much x the idea of bringing a tent but we're gonna have quite a few coaches there and we'll space out throughout the course It's gonna make it tougher yelling. I'm a very big vocal coach and I like to encourage the runners as they go. With a mask on, it's gonna make it a little bit more difficult, but we'll see how that happens and what goes on with that. So, like I said, just a few things that were kind of interesting to me that I noticed along the way that we'll have to see how it goes. I'll let you know like I said on Friday of it, but Glad to see it's on the track. Glad that I get to be a part of a coaching staff this fall and glad to let these kids get back to running and hopefully we see colleges follow suit too, um, whether that's in the spring or if changes come here in the fall or what happens. But hopefully we get back to more running events and we see it more often. And one event that has stayed status quo is the London Marathon. They're going to continue on, but there is a stipulation it's going to be pro athletes only. So the London Marathon, as I was saying, is going elite runners only. They will do 19.8 laps in a park before finally making the turn and heading towards the home stretch. I don't remember. I have to look up here who, I think maybe Sarah Hall. Yes, it is Sarah Hall. She's been working hard on marathon training, and now she's going to get the opportunity. She's going to go run in the London Marathon. And then I have seen that Molly Seidel, or Molly Seidel, who won, who came second in the Olympic tri- trials, is going to London as well. So we'll keep an eye on Sarah Hall and Molly Seidel, and see if there's any other athletes that join the mix as well. I know Des had mentioned it, but kind of pushed away the rumors that she was getting ready to start marathon training. October fourth is the London Marathon, so I don't think Des is going to go. I don't haven't really heard any rumors of anyone else getting ready to go, but we know Molly Seidel and Sarah Hall are both headed to London to run, so that'll be exciting to watch. It's going to be a tough course. I mean, doing 19 and a half laps, that's going to be rough. But it'll be fun to watch Molly and Sarah and follow some American runners and actually see a professional race in 2020, which will be fun to watch and I'm excited for and we'll update you on what happens when the time comes, but the other thing is that that they have moved the rest of the London Marathon online virtually and they have actually in fact moved the 2021 London Marathon from April until October so next time this time next year we can actually see the London Marathon again which would make it really interesting and kind of a in conflict of interest Going forward into 2021, because you're going to have the Olympics, you're going to have the Boston Marathon, the New York Marathon, and the London Marathon. Now Boston is usually in April, so we'll see if it stays there, but you still have the New York and then the London real close together there towards the end of the year. I think New York's in November, London will now be in October, and you have the Olympics in July. So it'll be interesting to see. I could see someone like Des maybe doing a double. We'll see. I don't know. I'm not going to put that in the air. I'm just mentioning it. I don't really see it happening. But with what she was willing to kind of consider for the Olympics and Boston, I know Boston's real dear to her heart after winning it. But just kind of spitballing here, thinking of ideas and things that would be interesting. It's kind of my job, kind of what I'm here to do. But find something interesting to kind of, get you rolling on the ball but we'll see what happens it'll be fun to follow and for those that we're going to run the london marathon you have to now do it virtually with the like the rest of the races and next year even will be the same way as well but that's going to wrap it up here for the workout session just double check and make sure i didn't miss anything looks like i got it all And after we have this meet this week, I'll come back to you guys, tell you how it went briefly, kind of tell you what we did, and see if I see any more on the mask and protocols and everything that's going on. Because I think that's kind of relevant and interesting to talk about. And hopefully we have more guests as well. But that's going to send us into our cool down portion of the podcast. And of course, we always have some tips for you to help do some things, and we're going to stick with the mental health. I know it's been a while since we've had a podcast. Well, one went out last week, but that was supposed to go out a couple weeks ago. We had about a two-week break where we didn't have anything just because I was trying to figure out the technology side of things and figure out what's going on. Hopefully, we get this sealed up right away and can get it right out to you. And if it's quick enough and everything goes well and I can find a guest quick enough, we'll try to get one in later this week as well to make up for it. But, mental health and we talk about running and how it helps your mental health we originally started talking about how mental health can improve your running or what you can do for your mental health to improve your running while well, we're flipping it now it's running how running can help your mental health and it can help from it can help your brain heal from substance abuse this holds true even when the drug is in question, such as meth. This is true, according to a 2012 finding in the journal Synapse. Meth decreases the brain production of dopamine and serotonin and burns out the rest receptors. Running, on the other hand, helps to renormalize the function of these two feel-good neurotransmitters and boost their production. So don't if you have to get addicted on something, get addicted on running, because it actually helps your brain. But if you are in rehab and you're trying to help your brain recover, running's a good thing to help you out with. It also helps decrease cravings for unhealthy foods and substances. That finding seems to hold true whether your cravings are junk food or for drugs and alcohol. After one hour of fast running, study participants were more likely to opt for healthy dietary choices that included fruit and vegetables over junk food. Results were similar with marijuana not junk food was the substance of choice. Heavy marijuana users experienced a marked a marked decline in both cravings and daily use after a few sessions of running on a treadmill, according to research at Vanderbilt University. And it turned out that the running also reduces cravings for other drugs whether it's cocaine, meth, nicotine, or alcohol, according to a 2011 analysis of the research appearing in Frontiers of Psychiatry. So that very interesting. It can help you choose some better eating habits and keep you away from drugs and alcohol. And I think that's a very good thing. I mean, especially on the drugs and alcohol thing. But Runners should be eating healthy. I'm not, it's kind of a little hypocritical for me to say that. I'm not the healthiest eater. But I definitely am more conscious of it when I'm in heavy training and when I'm running hard. So I can see how that plays a part in all of it. And I would agree with that as well. That when you're done running, you crave things that are more healthy for you than not so healthy for you. So very interesting there. And we'll move on to our even pace rule and this is one of the 25 golden rules i think we're on about 17 or 18 i didn't write the number down this time but we're definitely up there in the numbers over halfway i think we have less than 10 to go next podcast i'll make sure to remember what number we're on but the even pace rule the rule states the best way to race a personal best is to maintain an even pace from start to finish most of the 10k and marathon world records set in the last de- decade have featured almost metronome like pacing. If you run fast too early in the race, you almost always pay for it later, warns John Sinclair, the former U.S. 12K record holder and now online coach. The exception, this does not apply on hilly courses or on windy days when the object, when the objective is to run an even effort. So, number one, my college and high school coach would say that I don't follow this rule because I almost always start off slower and run faster towards the finish. And But I will agree with the fact that if you go out harder, you're going to die because there's many races in college where I went out too hard off the starting line and my teammate would do the same, and they would we would fade fast. Um, there's a couple races, too, that jump to my mind easily. One my senior year, one my junior year of where I went out in the first mile and ran almost a five five minute flat mile and in a 8k race that does not go very well especially towards the end of the race but when I went out at about 530 I was kicking it down to about 520 in the last mile so um, setting the goal is to run evenly paced miles that's what we always tried to work on it takes a lot of training It takes a lot of stamina work and the stamina is what's going to bring you through that to continuously run at the same pace the whole race uh flat courses definitely help as it mentioned there when you don't have hills or obstacles in your way that can definitely play a big factor those hills in uh whether it's an uphill or downhill you can make up a lot of time on the downhills you can lose a lot of time on the uphills but um there's a couple races where my timing especially on the track started to look pretty consistent and those were Some of my better races, I would not say they were always my best races. Some of my best races, I started off slower but picked it up at the end. And I think there's a mental factor to that, too, because there was quite a few, especially the conference meets, where our coach would tell us, like, hey, these guys are going to go out hard. They're going to go out fast. I want you to hold back in the first mile or so, and we're going to see how this plays out. We're running for position, not time. And if these guys go out too hard, they're going to die. You can pick them off as you go. And so I would stay back, hold back a little bit, shoot for that 5.30, 5.40 range, and then attack in the second half or after that first mile and really go after it. And so I think there's two sides to that. I mean, if you're going for straight time and you want the fastest time, yeah, you should be trying to run even. If you're going for a position, trying to qualify for nationals or whatever it may be, then yeah, you you could play the other side of the card and go position-wise and run just mentally smart. And all of it just comes back to your mental effort in that, because I mean running there's a more to mental side of it than you think there is, so it's a very interesting topic and a very interesting point. I think it's a good rule it's it I'm not saying there's an exception to oh the only exception is hills and stuff but I'm just saying that I've seen different sides of the spectrum where it's always not a, like I said, it's not always about time, but brings up some good memories, brings up a lot of training memories and working on what my coach told me to do and working on splits and stuff like that. But it's a good one to keep in mind and one to pile in with those other ones that we've mentioned already. Well, that's going to wrap it up here for this episode. It might be a little shorter than normal. Hopefully that's all right. But we're going to mention our social media one more time. You can find us at Believe in the Long Run on Instagram and the Long Run 5 on Twitter. Go check it out. You can see all of our previous guests we've had on and we'll update you when new episodes come out and any information that you may need about that. And make sure you like, share and comment anything you'd like to see or hear about on the podcast, any guests you may want to see featured. And share with your friends. Make sure they get the social media. Share the podcast. You can find it on all of your favorite platforms. Obviously the one you're probably listening to right now. So you can hear this episode. But Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. And of course Believe.com plus more. And scroll down. And check out some of the latest episodes we've had as well. If you've missed some or you're first time listener. Scroll down. See the guests we've had. We mentioned... Grant Loftall, Leo O'Connor, and Dave Hudson are our three most popular episodes. Go check out some other ones, though, as well. We've had some good guests on there that did not make the list. Other ones like Sarah Kroll, Alex Wilson, Aaron Finn, and last week we just released Annie Fuller. All of those good listens, high-caliber athletes, most of them in the college realm, but could jump to the professional realm as well. So... Go listen to those. There's quite a few on there now. And then there's good ones as well. We've had some ultra runners. We've had a race director or a, you could call her a race director, but she runs a track club in northern Michigan. We've had coaches. We've had college runners. Leo Conner's a professional runner. So we've hit the variety and we're going to continue to find. We've had triathlon athletes. So we've had quite a bit of variety of people on here, but we're going to continue to find more and we'll continue to bring you hopefully a lot more episodes than just 25. So thanks for listening. Hope this one was all right. Even with me rambling most of the time and just talking about stuff that we've missed and things that we need to continue to hit on, but we will see you maybe later this week. If not next week, for sure. Thanks for listening. Check out the other episodes, check out our social media. Stay safe, everyone. Get out there for your run, and have a great night. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.